Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls from across the galaxy, welcome back to another episode of Into the Universe. Today we'll be discussing Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Take it away, Charles. Alright, so the movie, as we all know, starts off with the introduction of our main character, Steve, and another character, Sam, also known as Falcon. Now, what I really like about the scene is not only does it show the two characters and their interactions with each other, it also shows the physical capabilities of Steve, and sets up... Uh, Kind of the whole future friendship they got going on there. I want your opinion on it, though, Chase. It, it, the, the beautiful part about the scene, in my opinion, is the fact of how it just shows how it's like Steve's just, like, I guess, better is the only way I can put it. Like, he's not, like, a normal human. He, like, he outlaps even, like, um, I think Sam was, uh, he was in the Air Force, and, like, he was, like, a, um, his special forces in the Air Force. So, like, Sam is not, like, a normal dude, yet Steve completely outpaces him, and, like, nothing. It, it just shows... How this, like, an incredibly powerful, I guess, Steve can be, and, like, how much of a threat Captain America can be. But I also love the music in the background. It just is, like, a slight kind of patriotic, I guess, rhythm in the back, and it just makes everything... I think it ties it all together. I think it's a, I think it's a great opening. Mm-hmm. Do you have any opinions um, on it? And, like, in the opening, whenever he's, like, on your left, and Sam's like, come on, you know, I, every time I watch the opening, I laugh, so, you know. <laughs> it's, it's an iconic opening. I think yeah. we all have... Like, I think we can all be like, yeah, I've walked mm-hmm. past a friend and be like on your left. It's yeah, it's not like, I, I think about it sometimes, it's not like, it's not like my Roman Empire, but you know, it's, I think about it sometimes. <laughs> it's like, a, I think another cool part is like, it's just like, it goes from them running and then it shows the connection between people that like fought and stuff, like even like, it, mm-hmm. so like after, we all know after he get, they sit on the tree and um, Sam's like, yeah, listen to these people, all this stuff. Like, it not only shows how grounded Captain America can be and, like, how Steve is just, like, a normal... Like, he's literally a normal dude that was just given powers and that kind of shows that, but it also shows the connection, like, the immediate connection between Sam and Steve and how, like, he's like, yeah, listen to these people and, like, all this stuff. And they also share that uh, kind, of, kind of the beautiful moment where they're, like, um, when you sleep, like, on your bed at home, it doesn't feel right. It feels like you're sleeping on a cloud. And, like, just, like, the connection between them, they both serve, they're both... And the one, I guess, Steve technically still serves, but, like, they... they're their dedication to the country, their dedication to each other. Yep. Honestly, yeah. all I can do is agree on that. Yeah. Uh, I think you mentioned it a second. I really love the whole scene with um, uh, Sam giving just stuff for him to listen to or watch to and him pulling out the notebook and just writing stuff down. And you see a bunch of other stuff there too, which kind of gives off characterization of like Steve. Like he's still got a job to do, but he's also interested in like learning and adapting to this new world that he's in. He's still a human. Even after, I think it's like 15 years probably, like around then. Yep. Like it's even then he... We'll still be going, um, and all this stuff. It's it's pretty cool. I, I, I enjoy the opening. I think it's a great opening. Um, I think the it's a good opening, but I think um, it's a movie that outdoes itself constantly. So, like, the moment after this opening, you see, like, it's literally, like, Steve in a plane with, like, they're on, like, a Black Ops mission. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Badrock the Leaper. It's, like, that's, like, the comic book character's name. I, I don't, I think they just call him Badrock in the film. And just the coolness of how, like, Steve just jumps out of a plane flying at, like, like a lot, like, I don't know, like, 500 miles an hour, like, through the air, and he just, like, jumps out into the water. Yep. And then single-handedly takes down, like, 30 guys in, like, five minutes. Like, it's, yeah. again, it's a testament to how this guy is not normal. Yeah, this is, that's probably one of my, like, f- my favorite scenes, like, in the movie, because, I don't know, I like fighting scenes, and it was, like, really well done. The choreography was amazing. 
Um, the music in the background too yeah, was the, really the, cool. The score was unlike like the mm. moment his I love it. The moment Steve's foot hits the ground is when the music starts. Yeah, it's like it's like it's kind of there in the background, and then the moment his foot hits the the ship deck, it's like it goes all out. Yeah, and then um, it kind of shows like another kind of part about it is like later we see um, Black Widow do the, the same thing, like get, mm. get onto the plane or onto the deck or under the ship, I guess, and takes down a bunch of guys. But, like, the difference in their fighting styles is kind of cool. Like, it's very, very distinct. Black Widow is much more, like, I guess brutal, I could say. Like, she, like, hits them more. She, like, like she wraps stuff around their neck, like, a lot more. There's, like, a scene where she wraps a wire around the guy and, like, jumps off the thing and, like, chokes him out that way. And then compared to Cap, who's just, like, r- like it's more like a blunt. Like, he's just hitting with the shield and, like, they're getting knocked back. and Because mm-hmm. he only needs one hit, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, something else I actually found interesting about that fight scene was introducing, like, the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents and everything and all the gadgets they have. And I also really like the inclusion of more prominent, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. agents that kind of appeared in all the gadgets they used. Yeah. I think I think the best part of the whole scene is when Badrock and Captain get in the fight. Like, we all can, like, testify. It's a great scene. But it shows Badrock mainly fights with his feet. And, like, even Cap's, like, okay, and, like, they're fighting, and Cap is, like, very hand-to-hand combat, like, uses his shield, mm-hmm. and, like, he's an arm guy, not a, like, a leg guy, and so, like, Badrog is hitting him, all this stuff, and finally he puts down the shield, and he's, like, hey, guess what, I can also fight using my legs and stuff, like, you're not better than me, mm-hmm. I'm Captain America, and then you just see him, like, just, like, basically wipe the floor the moment he puts his shield down against Badrog, and then... You have the scene where, like, there, the bomb goes off, he, like, takes the blast, and, like, it's, like, Black Widow. I, I, you have the Black Widow part where, like, it's, like, Black Widow has her own mission, which is also a testimony how, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. is a organization that is powerful and has many people doing many things, which mm-hmm. is really cool. And that's why you don't skip play day. <laughs> uh, I guess <laughs> that's the way to put it. Um, I guess, I guess it's kind of time to move past, uh, I guess we should move on to the next part, which is, um... Um, Nick Fury, I feel like he's another big character. I guess we should probably talk about some of the characters and some of the other characters. Um, Black Widow, of course, is a prominent character in this whole this whole movie. She's like Cap's like love interest. I guess like like lo- yeah. platonic love interest. I don't even know how to like put it. Like <laughs> yeah, they're like besties. <laughs> that, like, they're like like they're like siblings basically, but like not siblings. It's it's a really weird relationship. In the uh-huh. movie, I think I think the movie does it perfectly. But and then you're just close. Yeah, then you have Nick Fury, who's like also like another really prominent member. I think Samuel Jackson. He was born to play Nick Fury. Like it's just like a perfect Absolutely. role for him. Um, and all we'll get into the scene later with the car and all that stuff. That that was like one of the best scenes in the whole movie. It might it's one of my favorites. But um, yeah, like all these characters and all like they're all set up perfectly. Everyone, it's it's really and then you have Bucky and like Sam. Like they're, they're, we have our like. We kind of get our core set up pretty early, which is kind of smart. Like, we get... It's going to be Bucky, it's going to be Sam, it's going to be Black Widow, it's going to be... It's going to be Samuel... Like, it's going to be Nick Fury. It's called him Samuel Jackson. <laughs> um, and it's... And he's, like, one or two characters, and it's going to be... Um, what's the one guy's name? He's, like, the... One of, like, the big guys at S.H.I.E.L.D. that, like, is the one that, like, is the secret bad guy. Um, mm. Yeah, I actually don't remember his name. Um, Let's see. It's, um... It doesn't matter. We're going to get past that. But I think that whole, I think the relationship up there, and then the whole apartment scene where Black Widow's like, even though Cap's trying to live his life, we were talking about earlier how he has the list. Um, and he's, um, 
and he's trying to live his life and all do all these things. He also is kind of bad at it. Like he's not like again, he's adjusting to the world. Like even Black Widow's like, well, the girl that lives across the apartment from you, and like later in the movie, it's it's, it's turned out like. Hey, that person works for your company also. Like, she's not, like, an actual good... Like, it's just kind of funny. I feel like he can't catch a break, which is beautiful. Yeah. That, uh, um, yeah, her name is Sharon. <laughs> yeah. Sharon Carter. And, like, isn't... She's related to Peggy Carter. Yeah, right? she's, yeah. she's Peggy Carter's granddaughter. Yeah. Which also a really awkward scene. Oh, yeah. It's because he's, like, 103 or whatever. And, like... <laughs> yeah, it's not weird at all. <laughs> not yeah, weird at all. Um... um... But, no, that whole... Side note, this is kind of gets into another part that we talk about later, is the Multiverse of Madness, how she became the power 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 broker. I think that was kind of mm-hmm. dumb. But, and that's, yeah, we'll get off of that. I just a little comment I wanted to make. Mm-hmm. With the plot. Um, basically, like, it's it's really cool set up of how, like, Nick Fury knows what he's doing. Like, he has his phone, he's, like, scrolling, and he's like, hey, like, my wife is kicking me out of the house, which we all think was a joke later, mm-hmm. but it's true. But, um... He's the phone, he's doing all this stuff, and he's just kind of, like, I'm like he's, like, telling Cap, like, don't trust no one, and, which is, like, you know, mm-hmm. you never trust a guy that says trust no one, but, like, this is the one time you do, which is kind of, like, a weird throw-off, and I guess we did kind of skip, and then all this kind of, cat- like, the catalyst for all this is Nick Fury in the car, of course. Nick Fury, he's driving, all of a sudden, he gets, like, ambushed by the cops, mm-hmm. The cops, I say in quotations. Um, the battery ram happens, all that, and that's when we get like our first real look at um, at Bucky Barnes at the Winter Soldier, which is such a cool scene. It not only shows like the ingenuity of um, Nick Fury and all that, and like the power of like Shield. Are you a genetically modified cyborg assassin on the move? Then you need a tough. Fast-acting eyeshadow that holds up and won't quit until that last target is liquidated. You need Marveline's new hydrating fast-action eye mask. Cuts down on distracting glare from rifle scopes, vibranium shields, and the harsh, unforgiving light of day. Hydrating fast-action eye mask also helps disguise your stunning features. No more cryogenically preserved former old friends seeing your true identity. Marveline's new hydrating fast-action eye mask. Available at all fine retailers. Maybe he's cybernetically enhanced. Maybe it's Marveline. So basically, um, I really liked how Bucky's costume, like, really showed, um, like, he was different from the heroes. Obviously, he was, like, one of the main things. But whenever we first saw the arm, and, like, it was kind of like a dramatic reveal. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which was, like, really, really fun. I like how they... They emphasized the metal arm a lot because I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah, uh, and like they made it like shiny. Like, <laughs> they made it real shiny. They made it wolf the money he paid for it. Like, I don't think he paid for it though. <laughs> someone paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably Hydra. Um, Hell, Hydra. <laughs> uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> but I do. I really like how they made a huge point in showing these costumes represent the people and how the people are individualized. Because I don't like when I watch movies and everybody's wearing the same stuff. Because then you're just like... <laughs> like military uniforms. Yeah. Like, how are they different? How is this relating to this? It's, yeah. And like... I kind of like how, like, on the hero side, you use, like, light to dark, 
lighter colors. Yeah. While on the villain side, as we see with Bucky's, like, what's the word? Costume. Yeah, with his costume. <laughs> it's, like, all black, maybe, like, some red and in, silver. like, the lines. And, yeah. of course, you have his giant silver arm that he mm-hmm. kills people with. <laughs> um, what do you think? I think... I definitely agree. Um, there's a YouTuber I watch who really <laughs> likes Marvel also, and she talks about how, like, sometimes the costumes feel like they came from the same wardrobe department, but um, <laughs> I, I really like how the costumes differentiate. Like, I really think Bucky's silver uh, vibranium arm mm-hmm. uh, contrasts with his darker costume so it stands out more. Yeah. Cause oh, yeah. The darker colors stand out, like you said. It stands out, and it doesn't, like, blend in. I mean, I'd get it if it blended in, because he has to be stealthy to people. Um, <laughs> but I'm We do not encourage the spreading of killing or harming people, but man, does it make good TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was really unique, because I have... I watched the movie before, but watching it the second time, you really get that huge experience of, hey, this costume is saying, like, he's like a villainer. Villainer? Villainer, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's That's a That's the new world for villains. Villainer. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I, like, it, it pointed out really, really nicely, because you see, obviously, with Captain America's suit that he's hi i'm a hero and i'm patriotic yeah. and like <laughs> no, no. like i see what you're talking about with yeah. b- b- like hero colors stand out more mm-hmm. like you see that with iron man's costume because it's like bright red <laughs> and, and gold. bright gold mm-hmm. and you basically see him flying miles away <laughs> yeah so i definitely see that um don't do you see it yeah i definitely see that and i agree the differentiation Ooh, I said that word. Differentiation (laughs) of the uh, costumes is something I appreciate in almost all the movie industries. Whenever they um, point out something like being like, hey, this is... um, What am I going to say? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, Hey, this is unique to this character. Or we're pointing out the main, main thing. Because in most movies... Like rom-coms. <laughs> hey, we love rom-coms. I hate them. Um, oh, he, Michi hates them. Um, whenever, like, we do, whenever you, like, I keep thinking of, like, theatrical theater. Like, the main characters stand out because you use their costumes to a yeah. main advantage. And that's what you do with a lot of movies when you want to point out something really big. Oh, yeah. I definitely noticed that, especially yeah. in this movie. Like, you see, like, Natasha's armor. Oh, mm-hmm. not armor. Uh, <laughs> costume. Costume. You mm-hmm. see Captain America's costume, Bucky's costume. Nick they, Fury's costume. Yeah. Nick Fury's costume is always, like, the best. Like, that long, cold, black coat. Like, the eye patch. Yeah. I'm like, he's like, I'm the boss and deal with it. (laughs) That really points it out. Um, I also like how it pointed to their backstory a lot. Like, it showed, like, hey, Bucky, he's from Hydra. He, um, he's doing, 
all this, and he's from Hydra, and he's... What the frick? <laughs> he's from I, Hydra, and he's from <laughs> Hydra. Um, what? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but that he came from a bad past, and he can't really control what he does. Sometimes. 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 <laughs> you have to point out that it's sometimes. The sometimes costume, he's good. Sometimes he's bad. Yeah, but it points out their individuality and also their backstory. Backstory is uh, for theater departments. I keep going back to that because I'm part of it. You're a theater kid, basically. I'm in theater. Um, hey, I'm a theater kid, too, so yeah, it's fine. Um, but in theater, you want to show, like, backstory. You want to get like flashbacks to fla- to backstory and costuming and makeup and their design for all that type of stuff is really really um important to the entire um film or show or episode it's important that you know um this character's important they have a different backstory all backstories are different. And that shows especially with Bucky's costume. Oh, yeah. It definitely does. And like, with Nick's. Because yeah. the eyeball missing. And by the end of the movie... It shows, like, their history as a character. Yeah. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, Nick Fury's has an eye patch. Yeah, which, his eye patch. in a previous movie, his eye kind of got... Yeah, <laughs> um, he doesn't have an eye anymore. He does not. Well, he might have a high eye. It might mm. just not work. Yeah, but it really points out like backstory, which is a good. It's good that we can see that real well because when we see that, it also gives us a deeper knowledge of the film. I think. Oh yeah. Or I feel. Because whenever I watch a movie and then I see the costumes and the background design or what the and the backstory, when when you see both first, when you see the costume, you're like, ooh, that's a really, really cool costume. I like it. But then when you delve deeper and then you finally get that main juicy bit of backstory, it finally links together what the costume and the backstory does. What do you think about that? I really agree. I I like your in-depth analysis Mm -hmm. on the costumes, and I like how far deep you went with it. And I think that's a really interesting point you made, um, how the costumes signal where they come from, where they are now. Mm -hmm. Um, A costume we haven't really touched on much is Black Widow's. That is true. Um, I think her costume is very good because kind of like one of you said about Bucky's costume, you have to sort of hide because you're supposed to be mm-hmm. an assassin. Yeah. Hers is all black because she's also supposed to be an assassin for yeah. the good side, obviously. But, yeah, I like how Steve's is more patriotic and stuff because he's supposed to represent <laughs> America. Captain America. Uh, Bucky's is more dark and has the silver or vibranium yeah. arm to signal him being the bad guy with the darker colors. And, yeah. And I also like how... It's kind of a commentary on how both Natasha and Bucky have really black costumes, but one's for the good side, one's for the evil side. Yeah. Yeah. It shows differentiation, and it also shows that, hey, villains can also wear black... Er, colorful <laughs> stuff. Yeah, villains can wear colorful stuff, but also heroes can wear uh, black stuff. stuff. And it, I like how sometimes it's different, and it shows different things 
and it shows like, hey, um, this is a hero and this is a villain. <laughs> but I do really appreciate it when movie franchises uses the, um, hey, just because you're a hero or you're a villain, you don't have to um, just be wearing this certain co- color yeah. palette. It's like, like, hey, we don't discriminate against whether you're a villain or a hero. We don't care what color you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you are a villain. <laughs> yeah, you're a villain, but you can wear color. Yeah, like... It doesn't matter. You want to wear bright pink? I wouldn't recommend that, but hey, what's a, what? You be you. <laughs> like, yeah, I also appreciate in costumes when they're not fighting and when they're not in their hero costumes... When they're in, like, normal civilian wear. I like how they don't make... This might be a touchy topic. I don't know. Um, It's fine. Hey, (laughs) Into the Universe is all about touchy topics. (laughs) Yeah. Especially Star Trek. (laughs) We hate them. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, But (laughs) when they're in their civilian wear or party wear, what they do is... I like how they don't play into gender roles, like, specifically. I like how they make... They don't make um, Natasha or Black Widow. Oh, my God. I'm a damsel in distress. No, she's the person you should be in distress from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I Like, they don't make her wear dresses. They don't make her uh, wear pink. They make her wear, like, neutral tones. And it shows, like, hey, just because I'm a woman or just because... Ooh, that was a whistle. Um, <laughs> or just because I'm a, uh, let's say, hmm, let's say Black Widow was a villain. Just because I'm a villain doesn't mean I have to wear, I have to wear a dress. I have to wear this. Just, just because I'm a woman doesn't mean I can't be these things. Yeah, Which, like if a woman wants to wear a suit, wear they a can suit. wear a suit. <laughs> if a guy wants to wear a dress, I wear mean, it. hey, if it, it might show your hairy legs, but wear it. <laughs> shave your legs. Don't shave your legs. Who cares? Just please wear underwear. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, please do. That would be embarrassing. Um, but what do you think about like how the civilian costumes are? Yeah, yes. I really like the civilian costumes, and it also kind of puts it into perspective of um, how almost how the superheroes envision us, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, yeah, like- and their superhero costumes, obviously... We're not going to be like them. We don't have super soldier serum <laughs> no, or hey, juice or anything. What are you talking but like, about? <laughs> but like, I think the civilian costumes are really good because it puts it into perspective of how we feel and how I like seeing how they act even as a superhero in said civilian costumes. Yeah. Because that's, that's a really good point that you just made there it that is. I forgot to make. Whenever you are like a, hmm, let's say... Let's say you're a villain and you're trying to hide yourself from a hero, but you need to be in civilian wear in the day. Um, I like how they've made a huge point to show, yes, they are heroes, but they're also, mm, they're kind of human. Bucky's not. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He's kind of human. He's kind of. um, Saying, hey, yes, uh, they are superheroes and they fight crime and they do all that, but they also have other lives past um past being a hero and i also like how you also made the point of they are showing what they think we are uh what civilians are they think we wear jackets 
um, button ups, um, <laughs> uh, sweatpants, sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you don't see many whale sweatpants or sweatshirts. Yeah, you don't see that often, but I yeah. saw that in like in the background. Yeah, like um, it, like mm-hmm. the people who are like non superheroes wear it, but yeah. like when superheroes are in those like in civ clothes or civilian clothes, it's a really shocking thing. It is because me personally, I would love to hide in a sweatpants <laughs> and sweat <laughs> shirts. Yeah, like what? Yeah, it's like. I like how they make it really nice like that. Yeah. While we're on the topic of um, costumes, what will I think we should get into the fact of the flashbacks, the flashback sequences, the flashbacks, the Bucky and Steve flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, like those also show different costumes. The different costumes play such a big role yeah, in like, the movie. It Ex- truly does. Cause especially like, when um no it's fine. Uh especially when we see the flashback sweet sequences, I can't speak, between Bucky and Steve when they were in the hmm in army in the army yeah. before hmm, they both died. Like you see how much their outfits have changed. Yeah. Like, the Captain American outfit in World War One, World War Two, I think World War Two probably. Probably. Um, <laughs> it changes so much. And I think that's just super cool how it does that. Because, yeah. like, it provides how the styling back then has changed from now. Yeah. Because when it changes, you kind of get a timeline of the movie which is something I really like to see in movies when I rewatch them. I like seeing okay, so this is from like the Victorian time period. Now we're in like the classical music time period. Now we're in modern time period. I also like the scene in the movie spoilers alert. I'm kidding. Spoiler you're, wa- alert. <laughs> you're watching this. Yeah, <laughs> we, we've already spoiled so much so. Yeah, it's fine. But whenever we are seeing um, Captain America go and steal a suit from the museum, you see all these different eras, different outfits, and it plays actually a really good role in being like, how much has Steve Rogers or um, Captain America changed over the eras or the years? Which is, like, really, really cool. It definitely is. And, like, I think... Like, one thing that Marvel gets done so well is the fact of, like, costumes and... They do really well yeah, costumes. <laughs> they do. Like, they probably spend thousands of dollars on costumes. But, like, that's because it's a key part to any show. Whether that be theater, um, live action, <laughs> animated. Because, like, it just, like develops their character like so much more it shows the character's personality person personality personality Uh, (laughs) it shows their personality a whole lot it shows their character development their growth everything i like how it shows that much because then you don't just think of them i know we're hitting the costume part really much that is a huge thing in any type of film or anything because like sorry that we're covering it so much but (laughs) but your characters have to be clothed obviously Um, (laughs) has to be clothed (laughs) they should be clothed (laughs) but 
it makes a really good part in the entire film because even your background actors they still have to be in costumes and you can see in the background actors non-speaking roles their clothes also show their personality as well it's not just your background character wear black and white yeah there's color there's color schemes I literally just said the same thing. Yeah, like they they color schemes, color scheme <laughs> to it to like the scene of the movie yeah. to like like if you're chasing bad the, guys you're wearing the black. The time period yeah. too. It shows like in the 80s I think or 90s they wore so much color. They loved pop! color. Yeah, it was just a pop of color. They let the color pop in the it 80s. It showed the time period <laughs> Or the era of what the movie is in, which is kind of a big thing. It is a big thing. Yes. <laughs> um. 300 horsepower. Heated and cooled seats. Auto-tint windows. Fully AI-powered personal assistant. Ballistics glass. Personal defense enhancements with both lethal and non-lethal options anti-gravity flight systems, and six insulated cup holders. Whether you're taking the wife and kids on a wilderness getaway adventure or taking on assassins for an international terrorist syndicate disguised as local law enforcement, you can count on the all-new Chevy Terhome GMT-921 with the full-force shield super spy pack, slick leather trench coat, and eye patch sold separately. I think... Civil War has a huge impact on the rest of the MCU. Starting off in Civil War, it's 6v6, and the Avengers are totally split, and they don't necessarily want to have to do that, but they do. And the events of this movie leaves everybody in a disarray, and nobody really likes anybody at the end of it. And this leads to Infinity War, when Thanos is the biggest threat, and they have to fight him. Unfortunately, they're not all together then, which they need to be to beat him. And they're not, and that leads to them losing at the end. If they were all together fighting, they probably would have beat him. If they were on Earth or Titan together, they probably would have beat him. Oh, yeah, I agree. Like, if we, if they were working as a team, it would have been so much better. What do you think, Clayton? Oh, yeah, definitely would be so much better because in the uh, Infinity War, they were because of the events of. Civil War, they were split between two different places, Earth and Titan. Yeah, most definitely. And I think, like, we need to look at this and see how it compares on the real world. Like, we see people not working as a team in real world and in in Marvel, and I think that's a great, like, opportunity for us to learn from that is (laughs) in Marvel. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with both of those points. Um, at the end of I- Infinity War, we see that they lose because they're not together. However, in Endgame, once Captain Marvel rescues Tony from space and Nebula, they come to Earth and Tony realizes that they need to work together with Steve and everybody else. And at the end, we see that they do beat Thanos at the end. Oh, yeah. And, like, I love how this, like, movie ties in with, like, the other movies. Like, it talks about, like, Petty Carter with, like, then it moves into, like, the S.H.I.E.L.D. series, which is just such a great series. And, like, it just shows how Peggy felt during that time 
like doing when Steve was I don't know what the world like not stuck in ice I guess you could say mm-hmm. and like it and like after what happened then and like I think that scene where she's on her deathbed is like super important mm-hmm. I think it is very important for Steve's character and I think it's ultimately why he decides to go back and spend it with her and I think that was a good ending for his character Oh yeah. but another thing I wanted to mention is like how them fighting over the Sokovia Accords in Civil War leads to half of all life getting eliminated. And then five years later after that, everybody comes back, yes, but some people are, if you were a younger sibling, you would now be older than your older siblings and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, as we saw in WandaVision, we saw how Monica's mom... She was supposed to be in surgery, but she actually died while Monica was gone. And I think there's a lot more... I wish we got to see more from Marvel's perspective about how real-life people dealt with that in the world, because we don't really see it that much. We see it in WandaVision a little bit, and kind of far from home, but we never really touch on it in any movie or series besides that. And I think that was a missed opportunity. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, Clayton, you have anything to add? I feel like that real-world perspective would give more depth into these movies. Like, more relatable to characters and events that happen. Oh, yeah. For sure. And, yeah, I 100% agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that because it's like, they're superheroes with abilities that no real-life person would have. We see it from their perspective as being, like, the heroes, whereas, like real-life person could actually blame them for not working together or something. And I also feel like with that human perspective of, like, the snap and everything, I think it would have grounded it more. And like I said earlier, I think it would be really helpful if they the movie showed us how real people dealt with that, like family members being dead while you were gone for five years, younger siblings being older than your older siblings while they're gone. And Which, yeah, I think that would be very interesting I, to see. I think we kind of see that for like a split second in the uh, Captain Marvel movies because like it covers like how, what's her name? I'm completely blanking. Are you talking about like? The little girl. Monica. Monica, yeah. And like how she lost her mother, mm-hmm. maybe the other way around, or Monica got blunt and mm-hmm her mom died during that because of the cancer. And, like, it caused this whole chain reaction with her against her aunt Carol, who is, of course, Captain Marvel. And I think that was our only glimpse of it. And, like, I feel like it would be cool, like, in Spider-Man, as uh, as Peter Parker is swinging through the city, seeing, like, pop up, whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. I agree. I like how we did see that with Monica. The only thing is, I wish we saw like a little more. We only really saw that and in Far From Home where everybody, they have like a news coverage at the school about it, how everyone just kind of reappears. I think, I wish they would have touched on that more. For instance, I know I keep saying it, but like, Peter's very lucky that both Ned and Michelle got blipped with him. But like, I would have liked to have seen like, what if Ned was five years older than them or something? Or what if Michelle oh. was five years older than them or something? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like... I, I, sorry, I just have one more thing to say. I, was, I think it was like... 
it feels like plot armor in a way that they just everybody that needed to stay alive stayed alive. I don't know how to explain it. Like for plot reasons, they stayed alive, but realistically, one of them probably would have gotten yeah or stayed. I mean, yeah. I liked. I would have liked to see that as well because, like, I feel like it would set up the character like so much more because Peter Parker would have to deal with the, that loss mm-hmm. and like overcome that loss. What do you think, Clayton? Oh yeah, and I think a good example of that is definitely in No Way Home, where after. Uh, Mysterio reveals his identity and everything. Everyone believes that he's a murderer, and at the end of the movie, he eventually has to deal with the loss of Ned and Michelle's memories of him. I'm glad that he brought up No Way Home because I actually had something to add. In in Far From Home, we know that Mysterio got fired by Tony, I think it was. No, he stole his invention, like the glass technology thing. So Tony's decision in Civil War was not just with Steve, but also with Mysterio. And Civil War impacted Far From Home. Far From Home impacted um, No Way Home. And I yeah. think, I like how it's kind of a coherent story and they pay attention to all the details and stuff. And oh, yeah. How even a movie that came out in 2016 is still influencing a movie that came out in 2022. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they take, like, they care about their watchers, their viewers. Like, they make the movies for us and like they make sure that they connect with us so we can see those connections and be like hey i saw that movie where he got introduced so hey i remember that from like captain america the winter soldier Mm -hmm. even going back past civil war with winter soldier we see how the government plays on steve's abilities of trusting like he trusted the government so much just for them to betray him and i think that's definitely one of the reasons why he chose not to do the Sokovia Accords, but also because he aligned himself more with Scarlet Witch, who he felt more with and stuff because of what she had accidentally done. But even Winter Soldier impacted Civil War in that decision because I think if Winter Soldier had not changed Steve's trust of the government so much, he probably would have been more inclined to sign, which would have led to them being together for Thanos, where they probably would have won. And then the snap never would have happened. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I feel like it would be cool if we saw, like, a movie will, like, a what-if movie. Yeah, like, mm. the, like the series or even a movie. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be a very like, cool thing. what if Captain America was with the Avengers during Thanos? Mm-hmm. And, like, what if they stopped the blimp? Like, what would have happened? I feel like that would be, like, a great selling point. I mean, if they were worried about the money. Mm-hmm. I feel like, I'm at least I know, I will watch it. <laughs> I will get, mm-hmm. I will pay to watch it. Because I feel like that would just be so interesting for us all to see. And, like, it might even show how Winter Soldier affected that. Like, how their connections affected it yeah i i agree with that i would very much like to see a what if series um it could even be like an extra long episode of the show or something but i think that'd be very interesting to see 
And I also, it's kind of a little bit off topic, but I would have also liked to have seen, what if Captain Marvel was in Infinity War? They probably would have won, because mm-hmm. in my opinion, she's the oh, strongest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think she's the strongest and Wanda's the most powerful. But I think if she was in that movie, they probably would have won. I think that would be another what if, oh, yeah. kind of, that I would like to see. Yeah, I think we're on to something here. Like, if they do this, that would be awesome. Which... Mm-hmm. They probably won't see this podcast, and if they do, I will. I, I might just die out of excitement. But <laughs> I think it would be super interesting to see that what if series. What do you think, Clayton? Oh yeah, because um, the series is already great, and with especially with episodes like that, it I think it just caused more popularity for that series specifically too. Oh yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Civil War was the first mention of Stephen Strange. Yeah, Uh, it was Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier, my my bad. Yeah, Winter Soldier. So, like, I feel like we should talk about that a little bit. Like, and like how that affected his, um... Yeah, I... I have a theory of how they knew about him already, and I think that the Mind Stone, since Hydra had possession of the Mind Stone and the Scepter, I think it probably unlocked the knowledge that he would eventually become a superhero. That's probably my guess, because Winter Soldier happens two years before. I think it's the same. it takes place the same year it came out. So it would yeah. be two years before Doctor Strange became mm-hmm. a superhero. So I think the Mind Stone, since they had that possession, they probably knew all the knowledge and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was definitely interesting to see that name and, like, cue it. Because, like, I don't think anyone was expecting it originally. Like, after you watch it so many times, you expect it. But, like, originally when it first came out, I don't think anyone was expecting that. Mm-hmm. I was rewatching Winter Soldier recently. After we watched it in class. <laughs> yeah. And that was the first time I actually noticed that they mentioned him. And I thought that was very interesting. So that's when I came up with the theory that probably the Mind Stone was what gave them that knowledge. Yeah. Okay. Now, did they think Trange was a threat? I can't remember. No, they just knew that he was... I think they just knew that he was still a doctor i'm not sure that that was the first time i ever saw it and i don't remember yeah um hmm. do you have anything to add clayton um another moving on from dr strange until we can get some of that information Another thing that was mentioned and seen in Winter Soldier in the post-credits was actually the Maximoff twins mm-hmm. in the cages um, being held by Baron Zucker, which I think was a great introduction for them. Oh, yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. And how it tied into Ultron. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I thought that was a very good transition yeah, this this movie, I'm just going to come out right now and say it. This movie's 
this movie, Winter Soldier, has so many connections from all the movies. Mm-hmm. Like, regardless of its Wonka or whatever, it still has connections. And I just love how they do that. Yeah, me too. I I like how all the Marvel movies, even the newer ones, a lot of people complain about them. But they still have a very connected universe, and they flow from one movie to the next. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Though, I do feel like, I think we needed some more, like, I don't know. I think we needed to see Iron Man a tad bit. Like, I mm-hmm. was surprised we didn't see, like, Tony Stark at all. Mm-hmm. Like, even if it wasn't even as Iron Man, but, like... Kind of the- like how he was in, like, uh, Homecoming. Yeah. Batman Homecoming mm-hmm. with just the suit or just him at, like, a party. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I was a little surprised we didn't see him even have like a cameo or something in like a post credit scene or at the end, because it goes into Age of Ultron. So I'm surprised we didn't see like a post credit or something of that. That would have yeah. been cool to see. But well, I still like, think Winter Soldier is one of the best Marvel movies. Oh yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. But like, I feel like we could get even better if they even mentioned Stark Enterprises or Industries, whatever it's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, because mm-hmm. like it could see that this is in the same universe because it is it's mm-hmm. just either they no, they thought about iron man at that time because they were on like their third iron man so like i don't know why they didn't are we allowed to talk about like other movies, like, not how necessarily Winter Soldier affected, but, like, can we just, since it is multiverse, can we just talk about, like, any movie, I guess? Well, well, it's not a movie, but WandaVision, I think it's a good thing to come after Endgame because it shows the follow-up of certain characters like Wanda and Vision, and I also like how Monica is in it. I like how it shows... What happened to her mom? It, that does tie back into Infinity War and Endgame with um, Maria Rambo dying of her cancer while Monica's gone. I think that was a good. It was a good show of like what I said earlier about the snap and how it affected some people. Still would have liked to have seen more of that from like normal people mm-hmm. outside of our main heroes and stuff. But I think it was a good showing of just how bad it could have been and how. How traumatic that would be for, like, anybody in that universe if that happened. Yeah, I'm honestly surprised we don't see someone get therapy throughout the entire blimp. Mm Because I feel like that might happen, especially if one moment you're with your friends and family, the second not. Yeah. I, it may sound funny, but that's actually something I would like to see because I think it's realistic. And oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, nobody really has that. I mean, WandaVision like, takes place, like, I think two weeks after Endgame, they say. And, yeah, nothing really happens there. Yeah, because, like, in the, um, like, in other movies, they have, like, therapists or, like, triage therapy if something traumatic happens. And I think we missed that opportunity because it shows what it's like for the regular people. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think they could show that anymore because I believe the MCU and their time is like 2025, maybe 2026. So I think it's mm-hmm. probably too late to show that now. Yeah. But I would have liked to have seen it back in WandaVision, Falcon Winter Soldier, stuff like that. But yeah, I don't think we'll see it anymore because we're way past it now. But yeah, that would have been interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, there was that one scene in Endgame where there was like that group therapy, but it wasn't even talking about the blip. Yeah. yeah. My memory serves. Yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah, that that kind of gave me like memory of what like a AA meeting looks like on mm-hmm, movies. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a huge Grey's Anatomy fan and like that's what I feel like Amelia and um Weber's um meetings look like. Mhm. I'm also a huge Grey's Anatomy fan. Um yeah, I think that's a very good point. Yeah, I like that. I like how they're how Steve is like um, we just try to keep going, even though it's hard. And the guy there was like, I forgot what he said, but it's like we were at dinner or something. And then he started to cry when dessert came because <laughs> one of his family members or something, I forgot what he said, but it was like he cried over dessert. And then once he got his food or something, I forgot what he was trying to say. But yeah, I thought that was a good hint of what we should have got i think it was good would have liked to have seen a little bit more of it but i think that was a good choice to put in that movie even though i also would have liked to have seen i like that it was during i would have liked to have seen how it affected the people after they came back that's what i really would have liked to have seen yeah because that would tie into the future as well and like it would give us a chance to see like how they dealt with it being five years later and like what they would do. And I think another point to touch on is like Thanos mentions that he does it for like population control. In those five years, a lot of people would still be born. A lot of people. Then all the people that came back would be even more people. So I think actually it doesn't really make sense in the end. Yeah. I agree. Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, that's all we have for you today on Infinite Universe. We'll see you next time.